Hello and welcome to the Red Robin Podcast, powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants, the independent Hulkington Rovers podcast. A warm welcome to this week's Red Robin Podcast Weekly. Rovers Derby Day defeat has seen the Robin slip to eighth in the table with our Cross City rivals now just two points behind us after 18 rounds of Super League. The team above us in seventh place are up next. And though the trip to take on the Leeds Rhinos represents a fantastic opportunity to get our season back on track. Before we take a look forward to the Robins Round 19 fixture, though, let's look back at Sunday's defeat at the hands of Tony Smith's black and white at a sold-out Craven Park. And to help me do that is Steve Till and Carl Smith. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we today? Good, thanks. Yeah, all good, thanks, mate. Yeah, how was you feeling after Sunday, Steve? bit demoralised. Um, I felt that they played as badly in their fair, in the first half as they played but on Good Friday, but we didn't put the points on them. Um, just little things going wrong um, and incidents that changed the game as far as I was concerned. But, you know, we'll live to fight another day. We'll yeah, Carl, it was a bit of a funny atmosphere at Craven Park on Sunday, wasn't it? A lot of Rovers fans were sort of going in hope rather than expectancy, um, which is a bit of a shame, is it, considering we did put the black and white to the sword earlier on in the season. But obviously, with the injury toll, the recent run of results, not many people were expecting a good result. And it seemed just a little bit flat walking around Craven Street and, and into the East End that people were, were praying for a victory rather than expecting one. Yeah, most definitely, Chris. Uh, I got I got that vibe earlier in the week from myself and people around me. And obviously, when I walked into the ground, it was a, <clears throat> it was a bit of a lull, wasn't it? Sort of building up to kick off. Uh, I think I think everything took its toll, you know, recently. And ultimately, that's what's what happened. <clears throat> excuse me, and reflected reflected on the field in the end. So, as much as my heart was saying, "Yeah, I want a Rovers win," I think there was a good 80 percent of me being realistic, thinking, "I don't I don't think we'll do it today." You know, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't think it does it. You know, make you not want to win. So, yeah, I think you're correct in what you're saying there. Cast your I mind think... back, Steve, to pre-kick off. Sorry? What? As I was going to say, just cast your mind back to a uh, pre-kick off on Sunday. What? What was your expectations for the game? Hopeful, hopeful. Um, I've been following the game for so long, and I know that coming into a derby, you can't. You can't be confident in any way, shape or form most of the time. And I wasn't confident, but I was hopeful. And um, I'd heard all the, everyone, everyone around me was on a downer for it. Um, You know, there were doubts in everybody's mind and and I was just hoping those doubts wouldn't be in the players' minds. There might have been, though. Yeah, and when we saw the line-up, um, Carl, I mean, probably the biggest surprise was seeing Jimmy Kainos get his first start of the season. He slotted in at the second row um, alongside uh, Kane Lynette. Um, starting at fullback was Jack Walker, Ethan Ryan. He made his return to the side. He started on the right wing, partner and Tom Oppichit. We saw Kenny Dowell and Ryan Hall on the left, Mikey Lewis and Mills in the halves. Kennedy was starting prop along with George King. Jez Litton once again started at hooker. 
Um, like we said, Kyle Horsell in, in the second row already, and Dean Hadley loose forward. And on the bench, it was Parcel, Stoughton, Johnson, and Lutley with Iden, the 18th man. Um, I don't know, Carl. I mean, people were, were um, you know, a bit skeptical about uh, our chances on Sunday. And to be fair, when I read that line out, uh, that lineup out, I don't think that's that's a bad lineup, is it? And and I think that was reflected in our opening sort of 20, 30 minutes in the first half, where we looked for me the better team. Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of the in terms of the lineup, Chris. There's some names in there where you think you know they could do a job in terms of covering, but there's also a lot of factors you know that come into into play in terms of even Ryan hasn't played for weeks. Obviously, Carnos has bought off his first game all year, and there's there's people you know round pegs in square holes, so to speak. So, it, optimistic on the team sheet, but in reality, it was always going to be you know a difficult ask. Yeah, I mean, go on, Steve. Sorry. One thing I was disappointed in, and and I have been for some time, is not using Matt Parcell from the off. I think he he gives us a bit, he he gives, he worries the opposition and he gives us a bit of oomph and leads the rest of the forwards, they follow on behind him. And I think it was the league game earlier in the season where that was the first time we we, uh, didn't use him from the off and we lost that. And then, and then it, it started to become a bit of a regular thing. And I think, unless he's got some kind of injury, I don't see why he's not playing from the off and, and yeah. let um, take it from there. But he does, he does, he does give us that go forward early on, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Cal, do you think do you think Jez deserves to start? I mean. To be fair, he's the only player who's uh, ever present all season. He will be on Friday when we take on Leeds. Um, Mike Lewis, of course, suffering that HIA, which rules him out. Jez Litton will be the only player on Friday who's played every game of the season. But I suppose the point Steve's making is that Jez and Matty Parcell bring different things to the side at different times. Uh, although Woody Peters is putting his faith in, in Jez Litton at the moment as the starting hooker. Yeah, I, I take I take Steve's point and that would not in seasons, you know, gone past that would be normally the case. Matty Parcel probably would start. But I think I think Jez is like you say, has been ever ever green this year. And I think he has he has improved and you know, up to the last few weeks where like most players in the squad have dropped off a little bit, haven't they? So I think Jez was right to start and I think he's earned that starting place the last few weeks. Uh, you know, so for me it's he's always says from from day one as Willie Peters that it'll doesn't matter who you are, it's sort of you play on merit, and that's been the case with Jez. But yeah. what's Parcel done wrong? Yeah, it's not necessarily doing anything wrong, Steve. Like I said to you, I, I take your point, and in seasons gone past, Parcel would would have been number one for me. But if Willie Peters didn't reward these players with good performances, what message that send out to the rest of the squad? So I agree with you 100% in what you're saying with Parcel. He probably hasn't done anything wrong. It's just the, more, the form of other players as well. Yeah. I think what's surprising me, Steve, is not necessarily the fact that Parcells not starting because I think you know, you know, Jesleton probably does warrant a starting place at times, but it's the amount of game time Parcell then is getting at the moment because he seems to be used quite late on in the game rather than dovetailing at half time or just after half time. Yeah, I agree with you, and he's coming on often. It's a bit of a lost cause. Um, I think. Litton adds later on. He adds more later on than Parcel mm. does. 
I think yeah. if Parcel started, you can bring Lytton on and and his effervescence adds more to the team than than Parcel. Um and that's why I'll switch it the other way. You know, I would always start with Parcel at the moment. Always. Yeah, I will and I don't, I don't think can I just say I don't think it's anything to do in a sense with um who's the better of the two. Like you've said, Carl, they each bring their their own um, performance to the to the team, but um, I just, like I say, I, I just think you get more early impetus by having Parcel on early yeah. on. Yeah, what, great. What I would, what I would say Carl. is, it, sorry, Chris. What I, what I would say in terms of what Steve just said and what I've just said, I didn't think Lytton and there's a few others didn't have great games on Sunday, so. It wouldn't surprise me that Parcel would go back and start on Friday night because there was a there was a few there was a few end of the set options where Lytton picked the wrong option. A lot of the senior players seems to be down his throat a little bit, and maybe the co- the coach will see them these sort of key key moments in in games that leads for the right decision more often than not. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see Lytton drop to the bench on Friday and, and Matty Parcel back in from the start against his Can old I- club. Can I just change the person subject a little bit? Can I just say how well you mentioned him as a surprise coming in? How well Jimmy Carnot's played last Sunday, especially in the first half? I think we were a beaten pack in the second half, and I think a lot of that was due to Lynette going off and you know uh, swapping around. But in the first half, I think Jimmy Carnot was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and he was. To be fair, Steve, I think the. The side did okay in that first half. I mean, there was victims of their own downfall, really. The amount of times they coughed up possession after being awarded it in good field position. The amount of times they gave the ball uh, on the back of a whole mistake and we went on to then make our own. You know, we, we was really um, off as of our own downfall. I thought that opening 10-minute spell, though, um, we was red hot. And we saw that with Mikey Lewis's offload. So, Jack Walker, he scores his first try in the red and white of Hull Kingston Rovers. And and I will say, I mean, Mikey Lewis is coming for, for some criticism um, over the ta- over his uh, time um, at the Robins and, and more so than his last game. I thought he played much better. I thought he, he, he played uh, with a little bit of a wide red. Yes, he still had some errors in him, um, trying to win penalties and etc., etc. Et but that offload to, to Jack Walker was the best of Mikey Lewis that... That aggression, that pace, that that trying to beat the line and to come up with that bit of magic at the end was the try uh, that Jack Walker scored. I think Michael Lewis was very impressive then. It was a sublime pass, wasn't it? His arm hadn't touched the ground, and to see it, I think I think I liken it to a pass from Gavin Miller once gave Gary Clark back in the day. You know, you think he's covered, the tackling him, they've got him, and then suddenly the ball. Flicks out and it's trite. It was it was sublime. But but um I think this weekend will give Mikey Lewis a rest and it, it will help him for next week in the semi final. Yeah, I've seen many supporters say that, Carl, that actually um God, you never want to wish an injury on anybody, especially a, a HIA. But um it feels like he's maybe been taken out the fire within line a little bit, and of course you know, it's helped now that we've got Brad Schneider in at the club to, to alleviate that 
that pressure on Mikey. And and I wonder if um, this break might just come at the right time for him. Like Steve says, going into a, a semi-final as well. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. There's there's no doubt the lad's got talent. Like you say, you want to see him play every week, but just every now and then, I think someone needs to put, pull the reins in on him because he's got all the talent under the sun. But, you know, it needs to be used in the right manner. So if we can rest him up this week and be, be fresh for the semi, then obviously it benefits us and us only. Yeah, Steve, it was 6-0 at half-time. Um, my opinion as was at half-time was that was, wasn't going to be enough. Um, I watched the game back on Sky Sports. Paul Cook, of course, was featured on the podcast regular. He said that, um, I saw his half-time analysis, and he said there's no way that well, FC would be able to play that bad again in the second half. And Tony Smith seemed to give him a bit of a rollicking at half-time. And it worked, didn't it? Because we saw a break down the middle and Adam Swift goes in for a try. Um, and that got Hull right back into the game. Just before that, just before half-time, I was screaming for a drop kick, for a drop ball. You know, we had possession inside the Hull 20 for, for two sets, I think, or two parts of sets. But certainly a drop goal, going 7-6. In the past, that's worked for us, something like that. And uh, I was disappointed that no one... I, I don't, I don't, I don't <coughs> think anyone was leaving the team at that point. Uh, you know, you, you wanted somebody to say, right, let's, let's set this up, a drop goal. And, and we never... We just threw the ball about like headless chickens again. Um, I think it was around that time when Jimmy Carnos put the kick in that, that Ram Dedman gave them seven tackles. Not not Carlos, um Milnes. Jez Lytton. Jez oh, Lytton put, yeah. He put a kick in and um it just ran it ran dead. Nobody no you know, no one was telling anybody what's what's happening. Um and that was what was frustrating me towards the end of the first half. Um people were making decisions on their own. And switching play, and, and and other people were saying, "Well, what's going on?" You know, and then right. So you come into the. I've got to say, there is one whole player I've, I do like, and and that's Adam Swift. I've liked him since his St. Helens days, and I know what a strike player he is, and uh, he proved it. And I saw I saw him come in, and I thought, "There's a move on here," you know. And uh, sure enough, it happened. Um, I don't think Jack Walker had any chance against him. I don't. Th- I don't think Sam Tompkins would have had any chance against him. Or Zach Hardaker. When Swift gets the ball like that, you know it's good night Vienna, and and he scores. And uh, you know, he's, he's the one whole player that that I wish we could have had in our team. To be honest. Yeah, Carl, it was very reminiscent of the try that Hulkington and Rover scored on Good Friday last season, wasn't it? Where Ethan Ryan uh, made a break down the middle and managed to offload to Lachlan Coote when he goes in for the try. And, um, you know, that bit of pace did seem to to pay for the Robins uh, on Sunday. And really, Carl, we never got going. And it was compounded by the fact Sean Kennedale received a yellow card. Hulgo scored during that period. and And you felt the game was starting to creep away from the Robins then. Yeah, there was a there was a couple of uh, plays in, in that period of the game where I think I spoke about it earlier in terms of we got to an end of a set, Lytton put a kick in that wasn't on and none of the wide men knew what was going on. And on the back of that, I think Kenny Dow decided to set somebody's head off, didn't he? So them two players are massive in, in terms of how the game ended up shaping. And like you say, after that, we just couldn't get going again and our attack was all at sea. And then 
after that, it was just it was so it was just uphill battle in the end. I think yeah. the judiciary will argue with you, Carl. It was sugar first. Yeah, if they dealt with it during the game, so no other fair action was needed. I think that's the best <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, of course. Obviously, he's um, he's not received any any further um, suspension or anything from the match review panel. Um, the deem that he'd hit the shoulder first before then making contact uh, with the head. So, hey, look, I mean, at the time though, it could have been much worse than the yellow, couldn't it? It could have been a, a ready fit. Had gone maybe gone to the to the screen, but um, Hull did take their opportunity when we was down to. 12 men and went and scored a try. There was a moment, uh, Steve, when uh, Rowan Milnes got a penalty to go for two points. Do you think that that had a big bearing on the game in the end? I think it could. Uh, you know, I think it was a bit far out. I mean, as you know, um, I'm a bit of a gambling man and I, I would have been packing against him kicking that goal, you know, because of the pressure and everything. And the way his game had gone on the day, he, he didn't have the best of days. And... I think I think the big changing point was was when uh, Lynette went off. I think I think that was the big changing point amongst the forwards, and and when you've got a beaten pack, you've got beaten halfbacks. It's as simple as that. And uh, I don't think Milne's had his best game. And maybe if he'd have kicked the goal, his confidence would have risen. But he missed it. And I think we should have. I think we should have. Um, gone for touch and, and, and gone for a try at that point. It's a funny one, isn't it, Carl? Because um, that Ryan Milne's kick, in the context of a, a professional rugby league player being able to kick the distance and get it in the post when you're kicking almost down the middle of the pitch, it should really be an easy kick, shouldn't it? That shouldn't have been a difficult kick. But for whatever reason, I mean, Rovers players, I mean, all season, uh, we've struggled with our... Our goal kicking. I think we're uh, only behind Wigan uh, this season with missed kicks, um, and, and it is something that cost the Robins dearly. I mean, I don't think that ultimately did cost the Robins, um, but we do need to be smarter with our kicks. We need to be better, um, and and uh, at the moment, I don't know what the answer is. I know Schneider; he's a he's a kicker. Whether he'll kick, take over the duties, um, we'll see, won't we? Uh, another incident which um, didn't ultimately uh, didn't come off for the Robins was Matty Parcell, his disallowed try for a double movement. I mean, when I was stood in the East Stand, Steve, um, for the life of me, I thought I couldn't understand why he hadn't given it. Uh, I couldn't understand why he hadn't gone to the screen. Obviously, when you watch it back on TV, you, you can understand why it wasn't given. But for that split second when I'm watching it live on the terrace, um, I was screaming blue murder because I thought he rolled over in one movement stretched over and put the ball down and I couldn't believe why it wasn't a try at the time. It's an ambiguous decision by the referee because it was all one movement. So I guess the rule is the minute your ball carrying arm touches the ground, that's the end of play. Hmm. In the past, I can't remember that being the case. If you've got one movement like that, um, I mean, I know it's the rules now, but you know, in the past that would have been a try. For all money, and uh, we were very unlucky there. Very unlucky. And if we had scored that try, then Carl, that that would have been a key moment, wouldn't it? Because we'd have been, uh, would have been right into the game there. Um, unfortunately, go Carl. Much like the rest of the game and on all of the eighty minutes on Sunday, it was a bit like what if, shoulda, woulda, couldas. 
Um, and ultimately, what you've got to look at is Rovers didn't take the opportunities when they was presented to them. And, and Hull came away with a victory, but it very much felt like a game that Rovers lost rather than a game that the uh, our black and white rivals won. No, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head on the head there. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, definitely comes to mind. And I think I did see all about half an hour, thirty-five minutes in. Both teams as that poor in terms of dropping the ball and forced. I think it was just a case of whichever team could reel it in and not drop them balls as much would end up coming away with the spoils. And unfortunately, that wasn't us. But yeah, it was it was certainly one of the afternoons where you know they had a couple of half decent sets and then the knock on, then you know. And then end up back up against the six again or a penalty, and then they just sort of hesitated the way through the most of the second half, and they just couldn't really, really get going. But there was a few key key times in the game where you thought, right, now's the time. Let's push on. Let's make the right decision. Let's make the right call. Let's get a bit of momentum behind us. But like I say, unfortunately, it just wasn't to be on Sunday. I think we're missing Chella badly. I think that was one of the key misses because, as I said earlier. We had no one to tell us what to do, if you like. Um, no one yeah. to direct us. And Minchella would have done that. And he'd have loved that game. He really would have loved that game. And one, I think one seven was... and thirteen, Steve. Sorry? I think any any team struggling with a one seven and thirteen, it's it's a massive ask, isn't it? It, does, it doesn't matter who you yeah. are. You'll take them you'll take them three spam players out of any team in the world. You're struggling straight away. Yeah. The other thing, just going back to the, uh, the penalty that, that he missed, he didn't just miss it, he didn't find dead either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would say, yeah. I think they made about 40 or 50 metres on the back of him not finding dead. And, and that, to me, um, it's crucial. If you're going to go for goal in that situation, you make sure, if you're going to miss, you make sure you've kicked it hard enough for it to go in, you know, into, into dead. And we never did that. Those are the little things. That's that another fifty percenters that, that that make a whole difference to the game. You know, that was that was more confusing on my point because when he lined up, was it just short of the halfway line? If I remember rightly, yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I just, I never, I never felt confident that he'd even get it on target. Never mind kick it long enough for it to go. Then you know. If it was a problem, so it was a bizarre. It was it was certainly bizarre and definitely well, Carl, not the right I call, think, in my opinion. I said to you, I was stood with you at the time, and I think it looked like he was told to go for two rather than him coming over and yeah, going, "No, I am 100%. going for two. It all yeah. there seemed to be a bit of a debate whether to go for touch, whether to um, or whether they should kick it, and and it took a few, probably not a long, <coughs> only a few seconds, but it did look like um, he was probably told to to go for it or. or or um, coached into going for it rather than him being really wanting to go for it. But hey, look, he missed it. I think Steve's right. If you're going to miss it, at least kick it, kick it dead. Um, we didn't, and and I think that was just a story of the game, Steve, where we just gave them that many leg ups, that many opportunities that eventually they had to take them. And and um, you know, you saw their scenes of jubilation at the end. It was an important victory for them. Crucially, Steve, it's an important victory for them, not just for the bragging rights. It's because of where it puts them in the, the league table behind us and, and the points it puts them on. And, and we're going to talk about the Leeds game very shortly, but it makes that game even more important now because of that defeat against the, uh, against the Black and Whites. Yeah, um, this, is a, uh, this is a vital, 
a vital match against Leeds. And looking at, I mean, you are going to talk about it, so we'll talk about it when when you're ready. But but just looking at our our team, we've got players there that can win this. But you know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Just some stats from the game against Hull. Uh, Ryan Hall, he showed up once again, 146 metres he made. Sean Kennedy was second with 136. Uh, tackle bus, Ryan Hall, seven. Tom Opperchicker and Jack Walker with five. Dean Hadley was our top tackler with 40 tackles. Jimmy Kainos, we've already mentioned what an impressive uh, return to the side it was for him. He made 36 tackles. Uh, crucially, missed tackles. Jez Litton, seven. Reese Kennedy, six. Um, Lewis Johnson, five errors. Sean Cadell came up with three. Uh, Matty Stoughton came up with two. Ryan Milnes came up with two. Uh, Mikey Lewis came up with two. In total, we had nine errors. Um, a little bit of a quiz for you now, guys, because I've got some stats for the whole of the season now here. So I'm going to pose some questions to you. Uh, which player do you think, I'll start with you, Steve, has made the most errors this season? Uh... Not, I think it's Sean Kelly Dell, perhaps, because he's he, often... He's in the top three. Sean, SKD's in the top three. Yeah, because he's often trying to release the ball um, when there's nobody there to take it. Yeah, so I'll give you the answer. So, Mikey Lewis, he's made the most errors this season, 21. Sean Kelly Dell, 20. Uh, Corey Hall, which is a bit of a surprise, he's fared with errors, 16. Mm. The slight caveat to the errors is that Mikey Lewis has played every game this season. Sean Kennedy-Dowell, 10 games. Corey Hall, 11, which if you work out, put that on an average, um, means that obviously they're, they're making more uh, errors uh, on average. Um, Kyle, for you, who's been our top tackler this season? Oh, Adley, I'd say, up there. Well, it was the man who was missing on uh, Sunday who's our top tackler at the moment. Elliot Minchella with 514 tackles. Matty Parcells second in the list with 464. And Dean Hadley um, is third with 417. James Batchelor was in the lead until his injury. He was averaging um, 32 tackles a game before he got injured. So, you know, you take him out the side, you take Minchella out the side, you're losing a, a huge amount of work in there, aren't you? Dean Adley has been performing admirably, trying to cover almost, you know, them two really with the amount of tackles he's making. So great credit to him. Um, last question before we talk about the Leeds game. Steve, who's who's missed the most tackles this season? Could that be Jets? No, no, no. He's in the top, he's in the top four. Um, I can't think who else. Um, and he's a he's 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 a clear leader in this one, a clear leader. Missed the most tackles. Well, is it Mikey again? Yeah, Mikey Lewis has missed sixty-one tackles this season. Uh, following him is Jez Litton and Reese Kennedy on thirty-seven, and then uh, behind them is Jordan Abdul on 35 tackles, so a little bit surprising. I'll tell you what, I'll give you one more before we speak to Statman Reese, the Leeds Rhinos fan. Um, Carl, who's made the most offloads this season? Oh, it's... I'd have, uh, I'd have said skids. Steve, do you want to come in with another guess? 
yeah, I think it, is it is Sam Luckley up there? So we've got Sam Luckley on twenty. Who do you think might be behind him? Made, made the most offloads, you say? Yeah. You just said behind him. So is Sam Yeah, Luckley sorry, who's, second, who's, who's made the second most offloads? Um Reese Kennedy? No, Elliot Minchella. So we've got Sam Luckley on 20 offloads this season. Elliot Minchella on 19. And in third place is the man from down under, Tom Opachik with 16 downloads, uh, downloads, offloads. Um, we move on. Let's brush that defeat to Hull FC under the carpet. Let's pretend it never happened because it's time to move on. Um, we are playing the Leeds Rhinos on Friday night. Uh, it'll be our first trip to Leeds uh, before... We then go again the week after for our Challenge Cup semi-final against Wigan. But to help us preview the game, I caught with Statman Reese, who's part of the LockPod podcast, uh, Lee Rhinos. He's also helped me come up with some stats. And during his uh, our little chat, he comes up with some more. So it's a really interesting listen. Statman Reese, thank you for joining me on this week's Red Robin Podcast Weekly. Of course, the Robins travel to Headingley on Friday night to take on the Leeds Rhinos. And it's a Leeds Rhinos side that have hit a bit of form recently with them coming into the game on the back of three victories. Of course, that was um, that follows three defeats. And it's been a little bit of a funny old season for the Leeds Rhinos, hasn't it, Reese? It's been consistently inconsistent um, from the beginning of the season. It felt like we're winning one and losing one. And then we had the losing streak and... There were calls for Rowan Smith to go after the defeat to Wakefield, but obviously Wakefield won three games now, so clearly they're a very good side. So clearly we just we just help them <laughs> the way. Um, but there was call for Rowan Smith to to go at that point. I was surprised that he didn't. I was kind of sitting on the fence whether I think he should or not. I couldn't see where we were going to improve, and then all of a sudden, uh, this very special evening of the Rubbero game for the Huddersfield on the a couple of three three rounds ago came and we won 50 odd nil and it was just came out of the blue and nowhere. And since then we've really just carried carried that forward with a good one against Warrington and then a tight win on uh Sunday at uh, Salford. So yeah it's the momentum has shifted back uh, in the right way I think for the Rhinos and I think we saw from last season momentum is scary. You know that phrase it's happening again is, is appearing for us. Um there's no point of starting well because we'll just finish well at the second half and just scrape into the playoffs and do something with it at the end. Yeah, I mean, if you're honest, Reese, is this where you expected to be? You know, at the start of the no. season, when you're making your pre-season predictions. No, no, no. I, 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 as much as I'm laughing at the or smirking at the hits happening again remark, I'd much rather be in the top six for the majority of the season. I really thought we should have, you know, the minimum expectation for the Leeds fans to be a top four side, regardless. Yeah, uh, and it's not the playoffs, so. It's almost ironic, really, Reese. I mean, Rovers travel to Leeds again uh, next week for a Challenge Cup semi-final, um, as did we, as we did last year. And preceding that game was a, a game against Leeds Rhinos. I think it was Rowan Smith's first game in charge. First win as well, wasn't it? I think it was a 12-0 win, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, um, I will counter that by saying it was probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen <laughs> from a whole Kingston Rovers side. Um, and it never really got better after that in the Challenge Cup semi-final either. Um, so, it, you know, it's funny how history repeats itself. Hopefully it's not the same level of performance that we see on Friday night as we did last year. But the two sides are pretty even at the moment, Reese. I've just been looking at the league table. Uh, Leeds on seven, uh, 18 points in seventh place. 
Hulkington Rovers in eighth place on 18 points as well. Um, we've both conceded the same amount of points and Leeds Rhinos have scored 383 points. Rovers, Rovers have scored uh, 352 points, so only 31 more points difference. And of course, you had that battering, uh, you battered Huddersfield, which <laughs> you know, um, inflates it somewhat. Yeah, so when you look at that, though, Reese, and going into the game on Friday, pretty even, although Rovers travelling to it uh, on the back of one victory in the last seven games. I'm not sure how, uh, I mean, that's the, I think, you know, at the beginning, when we played you at your place, where Jordan Abdul just kicked us off the park and tore us apart, quite frankly, I think I feel like our situations have flipped. We were in a bit of a bad form then, and you were, you know, you were, I think, second or third at the time. And you know, whilst the positions are still where you're ahead, I feel like the form is very different. And looking at the table as a whole probably doesn't give a fair reflection at the moment. So if I look at the last five games uh, at the moment, uh, Leeds are scoring 26 points a game, whereas Hull KR are currently bottom in the form table for the last five. We've only cut scoring 11.6 per game. We're currently conceding 14 points per game in the last five games, which is the, currently the lowest uh, in the league at the moment, whereas you guys are conceding 25.2 points a game, which is the third highest uh, at the moment. So I think the form table tells a story that it might not be as as tight as it, it could be. Obviously, stats are stats, and I tell part of the story. I think the other stat for you guys is the injury list. You know, I think these Rhinos fans can't hide from the fact that that injury list is extensive um, and including players that we would have quite happily in our side. You know, where my co host Eddie would always say, Would I be jealous of having that person in our side? And there's a couple of those players that are on your injury list that we would quite happily have in our side. So I think the, whilst the total table looks similar, I think the actual. Um, table looks very different. I mean, just another stat, KR are only scoring 2.2 tries a game at the moment, but conceding 3.8. We're scoring 4.4 tries a game and conceding 2.6. We're actually making um, the most, I think the, sorry, I'm not, you're conceding the second amount highest of metres in the last five games, whereas we are making the second highest amount of metres per game in that moment. So the form table, the last five, suggests that Leeds should be weighted towards Leeds as favourites. Yeah, and I was looking at that metres made, and across the whole of the season, there's only Castleford, Wakefield and Hull FC who have made less metres than the Robins. Um, and we come into the game, of course, the squad news uh, has reached us now, and for Leeds, uh, they welcome back Blake Austin and Jason uh, Justin Sengai. Um, sorry, Stone Cold Blake Austin. Just to Stone out. Cold Blake Austin, okay, and Jack Sinfield comes back in. Injuries for Leeds, uh, Donaldson, Newman, Tetevano and Morgan Gannon. For the Robins, uh, it looks like new signing Brad Schneider is going to make his debut, fresh from sign from the Canberra Raiders. Uh, James Batchelor is a welcome addition to the side. Of course, he suffered that horrendous neck injury at Magic Weekend against Salford. He's fit and back and raring to go. Um, and two youngsters named in the squad, Leo Tennyson and Lenny Ellis. Um, I mean, when you look at that squad news, uh, Reese, you must be pleased that Stone Cold Blake Austin's back in the squad. And of course, we've seen uh, what Sangari can do. Um, you must be pretty happy with them returning. Yeah, I was. I was a bit worried last week with with Blake being out. That um, well, he's really been controlling the games. I mean, Caesars looked good because Blake's been that good in in, in against Huddersfield and against Warrington. 
Um, but Caesar stepped up on Sunday. It wasn't a perfect performance, but he stepped up, and there were some really big moments from him. I think Cam Smith started to get into his back into his great form as well, and he got a good try on Sunday. So, from a team perspective, it's about as good as it really gets for Ryan. It's really without other than Newman. Um, you know, I can probably live without Tevar not being in the 13, to be honest, because I don't think we're losing much with not being there. But I think Newman's the only player that I would want to go. I really want that player back. And and while Sangare's been out, we've got quite a good depth at proper. Again, they're all sort of with Holroyd coming back from injury as well. We're, we're doing quite well on that front. And we don't have a Challenge Cup game in a week's time. I don't know if you guys will be resting players, whether you, you know, where, where does the priority lie for you guys in that? In uh, there's a playoff spot in place, but equally there's also a, a spot at Wembley. Yeah, it's a great point, Reese. And um, I mean, we speak about it later on in the podcast that um, after the defeat to, to our bit of rivals on Sunday, many many supporters probably writ off our chances of of being in the playoffs uh, come the end of the season. But uh, the, the Huddersfield victory over Catalan, um, of course, Wakefield beating Wigan, um, results are all over the place at the moment, aren't they? So. Basically, if you can just keep within the keep within there and, and, and not get too far cut adrift, I think you've got a chance. And you only have to look at six to nine: uh, Salford in sixth place, Leeds in seventh, Rovers eighth, and then Hull FC uh, in ninth. Only four points separate them teams, and there's still uh, you know that's why really this game is such an important one because um, a victory for Leeds pushes them further into that playoff place. Uh, a defeat for Rovers leaves us. Uh, languishing a little bit out of it. Uh, of course, it pushes us closer to our rivals who play Castleford at the weekend. So it is a, a real roller coaster of a season so far. And I just think uh, this game, I don't know, Reese. M- many people would have said uh, we've got to rest players, etc. But we are blessed with uh, a dearth of, of resources at the moment, which is quite ironic because one of the things that people were lauding at the start of the season was our squad depth and uh, it's ironic we find ourselves in this position now. Uh, is, it, is it eight or nine players you've got out? You know, including obviously your Lewis's and your Abdul's and your, everyone else. Yeah, yeah. So we've got yeah, obviously Lynette and Mikey Lewis. They suffered uh, failed HIAs at the weekend. I think we're running with about uh, seven players out injured at the moment, and it's it's not necessarily the the number of injuries. It's the the injuries uh, to key players and the positions that play and hence why Schneider was signed from the uh, Canberra Raiders to to try and add a bit of competition I suppose that our look this season Reese was uh, summed up with um, signing Schneider to add a bit of competition for Rowan Milnes and, and Mikey Lewis on the back of a, a Jordan Abdul injury uh, in the very last play of the game Mikey Lewis uh, gets a head knock uh, on Sunday Obviously, then fails a HIA, and, and and the player who comes in to add a bit of competition is straight into the starting lineup with with no uh, uh, with Mikey Lewis missing, and and it is our luck this season at the moment. But um, I, like I said, a lot of people would would have wanted us to rest players. I don't think we've got that luxury. And Willie Peters, the coach, wants us to go into every game with our best chance of winning it. And and you know, hey, look, we've got Bachelor coming back. He needs game time. Um, you can't always put your eggs all in one basket. And I do think that two points uh, against Leeds, if we can get them, are, are going to be really important for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I think it's important for both teams. I mean, if Leeds lose last weekend, you know, playoffs, it was a six-point game for us. Tell me about that game, Reese, because, I mean, it's all it's all blew up on social media about the referee's <laughs> performance. Um, I mean, 
Salford well, fans, wow, I've seen some of the stuff that they've been putting go, out. Go, go, get, go put your kit on, go get a whistle and go referee a game and then you can come and, you can come and make a moan if you want. I mean, look, there was... Uh, referees have a hard job and, I, and I've, I've probably spat my dummy out. I probably, in fact, I probably definitely have this season on a lot pod at some point at some referee decisions thinking about the red card for James McDonnell against Saints for a punch that didn't even happen. Um, but, you know... Uh, at the end of the day, is a guy behind the whistle, you know, abuse him getting escorted down the tunnel. It's just not acceptable getting called a cheat. Uh, no referee gets sets out to cheat, um, except the French wheelchair referee, uh, of course, <laughs> uh, he did. Um, but look, the referee wasn't great on both sides. Things were missed. Maybe if Cryley wasn't jumping around all the time and falling on his ass, that it would be all right. But um, I think that, you know, the, the, the bigger point for that game on the on, on Sunday was that Leeds took control on the left last 15 minutes and then made the most of the errors. You know, Mark, Mark Schneid shouldn't have been on the pitch. You know, he, he proper hurt his leg. He was hopping around. He kicks goal line drop out, but goes on the full and that's two points in front of the posts. You know, little things like that and the momentum changed in the last 10, 15 minutes and Leeds closed out that way. Um, so, yeah, I, look, referee abuse is not right. Um, but until you go put a whip, put your kit on and get a whistle and do it yourself. I don't think you should be really calling people cheats. Yeah, I was just looking at the, the, the last three games, uh, the, the three games that you lost prior to your three-game winning run, and, and um, Wakefield, 24 points to 14, Leeds, 24, Castleford, 26, uh, Saints, 12, um, sorry, 13, 12. Um, close, close games, and this was another one against Salford, is there a bit of a steely resolve in that lead side that that is never say never because you seem to be you know in the game and 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 being able to flip this one against Salford who who were a contender for the playoffs as well, you know that must give the side a lot of confidence going into this fixed uh, game against Rovers. I think we've got quite a bit of evidence of that um, this year. Obviously beating Saints at their place in round three, uh, the phenomenal win against Catalan at home, which the last you know that was a twenty point comeback or something like that. You know we had a comeback against Huddersfield, so I think this lead side has it in them to do the comebacks. But I think the difference between the Salford game and the three games that we lost close previously was because in those games where we lost, we didn't have players playing in their positions. Whereas in, on Sunday, they took the decision to put Corey, uh, a young academy player, in at halfback. He's not really experienced there, but that meant it kept Hanley on the wing. It kept Myler at fullback. Myler's got eight assists in the last five games as well. Um, it kept Caesar in halfback. It kept it kept Jared at nine and Cammy at 13. It kept the players in the right positions. And I think that's the difference between the Salford win and losing to, to Wakefield and, and, and Cass was that we had the people in the right positions. Um, from that instance. So you, you can have injuries, but I, I just think, and versatility is great, but playing the position, playing the players in the right positions has shown and proved its worth, really, uh, again, on Sunday, but in the last games as well. And on that then, who have been the star men this season? Who are you expecting to be the star men to, on Friday night? There's two players that just go under the radar, and, and but they do a phenomenal job, and that's Jared O'Connor and James McDonnell. Jared at nine, he's not an elusive nine. He's not a nine that you'll notice from his run some dummy half, but he marshals the defence. Um, you know, he doesn't miss tackles. He's, he's a solid young player, um, and he, but he runs when he needs to, and his distribution is getting great. But he just goes under the radar, which I put phenomenally. 
McDonnell is at an absolute workhorse in second at second row. The guy we signed from Wigan, he's been a great find. And again, he, he just runs around the pitch and just tackles absolutely everything that moves. And he's got a bit of attacking flair. So those people do great work under the radar. But the people to watch out for uh, is, you know, Nenny McDonald uh, is one. Um, his runs from dummy half will often get 15, 20 metres. He's probably got some of the most clean breaks for the Rhinos this year. Um, and I think Cami as well uh, is one. Uh, is another player to watch out for. He's not quite been engaging the line as much. He's been a bit easy to read recently, but in the last few games, he's really been that ball-playing 13 that he's been fantastic at. And then, finally, Stone Cold Blake Austin. Um, he, he was, the, you know, the, the form that he's playing under, obviously he's playing for a contract, um, but the form he was on against Huddersfield and Warrington, if that kicking game, that control of the game and that running game comes out on Friday, I think any team would find it hard to stop. Yeah, so if that all goes to plan, uh, in your eyes, that'll probably lead to a Lee Durano's victory. But where where are the weaknesses? What could the Robins exploit on Friday night? I think the kicking game uh, in attack. Uh, you know, Rhinos were great on the goal line defence on Sunday, but we conceded three, all three tries were conceded from kicks through. Um, and we know from your, Jordan Abdul's performance uh, at your place uh, early in the year that the kicking game was what destroyed us. So I think if, if there was a weak point to expose for leads is one to when you're in that space in the last 20 to try some of those kicks whether it's in the air or whether it's on the ground uh and expose that because i think minor can get caught out of position sometimes and he made he did make a mistake for ken Seo's try on on sunday and i think the other thing as well is 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 not letting us get off the line in defense in that running running at us in you know, leads have this standoff defense sometimes which i don't necessarily always agree with but if you can keep us letters doing that without us having to push up, I think the meters that you guys can make in the position you can put yourselves in would be good to put yourself in those positions to kick. Yeah, we're going to be in uncharted territory on Friday night with Schneider making his debut. Um, by all accounts, he's going to he's going to partner Rowan Milnes on Friday night. We have got Lenny Ellis, a young academy player who's, who's named in the twenty-one man squad, uh, but it'd be very unlikely to see him play on Friday night. So it looks like Milnes and Schneider. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what roles they play. We know what to expect from Milnes. Very good short kicking game, likes to organise, likes to be in, in control. Um, and then that normally is foiled by, counter-foiled by Mikey Lewis, who has a strong running game, bit of flair, bit of creativity. Schneider, you know, he's, he's supposed to be sitting in the middle of them two and be able to do a little bit of everything. So um, you're going to be interested to see what he can do on Friday night and Robin's fans are definitely going to be interested to see what he can do. And who knows? I mean, fear of the unknown, doesn't it? It's fear of the unknown to Rhino. Not much tape on him. We don't know. How do you prepare for a guy that you you don't know what's going to do? Yeah. And and that's it. I mean, he's been in the country for, um, by the time he plays on Friday night against Leeds, he'll have been in just short of a week, um, which isn't a, a huge amount of time to adapt it's not a, a massive amount of time to get to know your teammates and mm. and uh, read the playbook and all that. But um, look, what we've seen in Super League so far this season, Reese, is that um, regardless of your game plan and the form book, results happen for a number of reasons. And then it, it really is what happens in between uh, that minute one and that 80th minute. And, and we've seen on a number of occasions that anything can happen. So on that, though, are you... Are you expecting anything to happen? Are you confident that the Leeds Rhinos will come away with a victory? Well, I was just looking at page three of my excuse book and I realised <laughs> that on Friday night, it's meant to absolutely pour it down as well. And you know, Leeds Just like it. last year? 
Yeah, um, Leeds are a bit of a fair weather side, but again, if you haven't got Abdul doing those bombs, I'm not sure how much mm. influence it is. But no, I, I, I'm confident for Friday, and I think that's confidence from the you know three wins that are bounced, the manner of those wins. I am going to take confidence from the fact that you've got key players missing um, uh, from that aspect as well, and, and, and what the form table is telling me as well. So I, I think it could be a 16 to 20 point victory for Leeds on Friday. Wow, that's not just a, a, a sneaky victory, is it? That's a comprehensive victory. No, and I'll, I'll be happily be proved wrong. Um, but I think just that's what the form table is telling me, the injuries that you guys have got, the Challenge Cup next week. I just think there's those things coming together. But, you know, again, the fear of the unknown with Schneider could change that. The weather uh, could change that as well. But my confidence is high at the moment. And, you know, you've been on the lot pod. We, we're a little bit delusional. Steve, Carl, I mean... Fundamentally, Leeds are going into this game in much better form than what the Robins are. Um, fundamentally, Steve, something's got to change, on it, with the Robins? Because if you go by the form guide, you go by the stats, especially the last five games, Le- Leeds will win. So something is going to have to change on, on Friday, Steve. What will it be? Success is failure turned inside out. And um, given the season that we're, that we're seeing throughout the rugby league this season, um, I'm just very, very hopeful that we can swing it around. Um, I think losing to Hull hurts badly. Um, and I just think, I, I, I still think we're a chance. I, I want to tell you something about five or six years ago, I went up to the, up to, to the Scottish Open Golf. I went for the weekend and that Friday that I was there, um, the start of the weekend, Rovers played Leeds at Headingley. And we went in the pub to watch it. And Rovers, on the face of it, you know, were, were second favourites. And they absolutely marmalised Leeds. This weekend, it's the Scottish Open Golf. Um, and so I'm just hoping the same Friday night, wet weather, that's what happened that night. And I'm just hoping Rovers can snatch snatch a, a, a close victory. It'll be a close one. So what you're telling me, Steve, other than clutching at straws, um, we haven't got much to to go on. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just look at the lead thing. Funny because, uh, was it Neil the call the lad there? He, uh, um, he, mentioned, he mentioned two players that I've, I've got asterisk against, uh, O'Connor and McDonald. This kid McDonald is excellent. You can see where where he learned his trade at Wigan, and um, but he could, he could be matched by James Bachelor, you know. Um, Caesar, we've got we've got to let Caesar worry about us rather than us worry about Caesar. Um, but we look. Uh, I, I know the bookmakers are going to give us about eight to ten start at least, maybe a dozen. Um, so we're not favourites, but just the way the season's gone for for everybody, you know, we, we, we're a chance the minute we set foot on the park. Yeah, Carl, um, James Batchelor, he's going to be huge coming back to that side. I mean, it's been so impressive when he has played for the Robins and he's been a huge miss when he hasn't played. We've got Schneider coming into the team. He really is the unknown. Um, he'll only be in the country for, what, a week when he... Steps foot on on Headingley soil on Friday night. Um, so who knows what we literally do not know what's going to happen there. We we hope he's going to click. I mean, the expectation is that it will be 
Schneider and Milne to play in the halfbacks. I'd be very surprised if Lenny Ellis gets a knock, uh, although he's named in the 21-man squad, so you'd expect it to be Milne and Schneider. But but Schneider and Batchelor coming in, um, that could be the difference. You know, that really could be the difference. And I, I'm not as fearful going into this game, knowing that them two are taking to the field. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a punt, but they are going to be important additions to the side. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, th- I think there was a lot of doom and gloom on Sunday slash Monday, obviously, with the <clears throat> excuse me, the weekend's result. But like, like we like we touched on earlier, there's still there's still some half decent players on that squad on paper, isn't there? So if we can get if we can get our act together and build our way into the game, you know, even I'm not, I'm not saying Rovers will win the game, but for me, these next few weeks is all about putting them building blocks in place and getting getting some confidence back, getting some wheels in motion back. And also getting getting playing behind the structure that was playing behind at the you know beginning of the season, and, you know in any sport confidence is a massive thing. And if, if Rovers have a good start, they get confident early, score a couple of tries. You, you know nobody can you know can take it away from us if, if we do that. And if we do that, we'll give our every self our every chance to, to you know to to run that game close and possibly win it. So, but having, having Batchel and Snyder, like he says, is definitely two two pluses. I just I just hope Batcher's not so far off it in terms of just coming back and he's, we're all expecting a bit so much from him because obviously it was a very very serious uh, neck injury, etc. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but like Steve says, you're in it to win it, aren't you? So, and worse things and, you know, things have happened in sport previously. So I can't, I, I can't see his winning, but it's building blocks for the future, in my opinion. I think we go back to the old edicts that... Um that Willie Peters made his reputation from earlier in the season. And he, he, I think he said, let's win the game and score the points. So what we need to do is is defend up front, just get on top of leads, let them make the mistakes, force them into mistakes. Don't wait for them to attack us because we have known throughout history, Leeds teams, you'll give them an inch and they'll take them out. So what you've got to do is get among them and like like they did in, I think it was a pre-season friendly when we played Leeds. They didn't look like beating us. They certainly didn't look like beating us in the league match. And the reason for that was we got among them. We frightened the forwards to death. And they had no answer. And I think that's what we've got to do this weekend. We've got to get right amongst them and say, right, where the boss is now, they're going to say, do you want to play in the semi-final next week? Because it only needs a doesn't it? And you're out in the semi-final. Um, so we've got to be aware of that. But let's not be afraid of getting amongst them and making them think rather than them having to make us think. And it's, it's all giving yourself point. a chance, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say, Steve, it is an important point you make because I've seen a lot of Rove supporters say, well, really, Willie Peters should be resting X, Y, Z on, on Friday night. I mean, to be fair, at the moment, we don't have that luxury of being able to, to necessarily he's, rest. He's resting until resting key players without without knowing it. If you're... But the other one's Kane Lynette. If you remember last season, Kane Lynette was playing brilliantly, got a bad injury, played in that first 10 minutes of the semi-final and then had to go off and then was out for a long time. Kane Lynette had a fantastic restful period and he came back fit. Right? So, all right, this is only one game, but he's going to have a rest. 
<coughs> you know, without what I would I was saying to a few of my mates, I would wrestling it anyway before the before the head injury. I was saying I'd I'd, I'd let him miss the Leeds game because he was looking jaded. He was still tackling, still going through everything, but he was still looking jaded. In in what was a jaded position. So the fact that Lynette's going to be missing him, and the fact that um, Mikey is probably good because Mikey winds Harry Smith up for, for next week. You know he, he knows how to wind out Harry Smith up, and so these are two key players that are going to have a rest, and the rest of them, well. You've got to play them, and and my first choice player at fullback will be Ethan Ryan. Well, the point being as well, Steve, is that for the Wigan semi-final, potentially we could have Kane Lynette coming back, Mikey Lewis coming back, and we could also have Elliot Minchella coming back into the side. So the point being is on Friday night, you've got players there who are vying for a, a semi-final spot because the competition should be hotter the week after. So this is a chance to stake a claim to say, hey, hang on, Willie, I should be in the team next week. It don't matter who's coming back. I've de- I've earned my place in the semi-final lineup because of what I did the previous game against Leeds. So it's a, it isn't a dead rubber. It's an important game. And I think this is where players should rise to the challenge. And I think Willie Peters is right to name his strongest side possible. Because we need to go to Leeds and get the two points. We need to make a statement going into the semi-final and we need to keep within touching distance of them playoffs. Because if we if we stay in there, we stay in the hunt, come the end of the season when we've got players returning and we're in the fight, you look back at games against like this Leeds one where you go, God, that two points was so important. So for me, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. We've got to go into that game wanting to win, which I'm sure they will. I know they will. But also, them players, like I said, are playing for a semi-final spot. Now, an interesting line on the website when it names the 21-man squad, it was the very last line. It says, uh, Lenny Ellis and Leo Tennyson will uh, will gain valuable experience from being part of the Robins pre-game build-up ahead of Friday's game. Now, Carl, that says to me, that then boys are in the squad for the experience of being in the squad. So take them two out and you've got your 19-man squad for Friday night. Interestingly, though, there is a question mark over Jack Walker. Willie Peter said earlier in the week that he's uh, touch and go because of a rib injury. Now, if he doesn't play, you'd imagine, um, like Steve said, maybe Ethan Ryan going to the full-back slot which then promotes Senior onto the right wing. So although Jack Walker might be a doubt, I wouldn't say, Carl, it would necessarily be the the biggest blow. And that's no disrespect to Jack Walker. It's just that the player will be replacing him is a very able replacement. No, in my my opinion, I I think whether Walker's fit or not, I think you play Ethan Ryan at fullback. Really? You'd play him anyway? Yeah, 100%. 100%. What he's done early on in the season, you know, he, he was good early on in the season and before he got that jaw injury, he was fairly consistent. And like I said, early on in the piece, he's, Willie Peters have re- rewarded players that are being consistently good on a week-to-week basis. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. I was going to say as well, Steve, it's an interesting one as well because Jack Walker's cup-tied for the semi-final. Yeah. So it does leave a bit of a question mark in Willie Peters' head. Does he 
play someone who's going to play the week after. Although Matty Lane on, on YouTube, he says, does Mikey Mikey Lewis play fullback against Wigan as Walker is cup-tied? I mean, it is going to be interesting to see how they line up the fullback spot on Friday and, of course, for the semi-final as well. And, uh, I'd have Ryan at fullback. Uh, the game he played against Wigan where he broke his jaw, um, he, had, he had a blinder there. So Ryan would be my fullback for the semi-final as well, which means, of course, that we're looking at Lewis Senior, aren't we, for, for the wing spot. <coughs> and it, I like Lewis Senior. I, I just thought what I saw of him in those big World Cup matches for Ireland, they weren't massive matches for Ireland, but he, he performed well against some good teams. And I think he's got it in him. Made one mistake uh, last time out. And, and I think, I mean, I, I'm not sure Willie Peters particularly likes him, but give it, if, if he got a break, you know, we, incidentally, you know, you're looking at two speedy men in the Wigan team and you, you need someone with a bit of speed um, to to even try and chase them down if they've, if they've got a, a, an opening. So I'd play Ethan Ryan or I'd play Louis uh, Senior and I'd do that this week as well. Um, yeah. Interesting one is um, who do you play in the second row? Do you keep Jimmy Kane Austin? I would. You know, um, I played Jimmy Kane from the off against Leeds, against his old club, and he, uh, Jimmy Kane never lets us down. You know, so it's a, it's an. This I'm just looking at this club now, and um, but yeah, the players are there to beat them. It's just. Whether the tactics are there, whether they get the tactics right, where, like I say, getting them awesome and, you know, say, right, you're in a match, lads. Um, that's what I do. But looking at the squad, I think Yusuf Aiden might not play, and Jack Walker, he, 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 if, if he's injured, uh, you don't want to risk him against Leeds anyway. Yeah. No, Carl, does, does uh, Jimmy Kynos, does he retain his second row spot? Or, I mean, we saw Louis Johnson come on for Kane Lynette, didn't we? Um, when he went off injured, he does give us a lot of energy. Um, you know, he, he did come up with a few um, errors, but he does give us energy in that second row. And, and he's a different type of second row to, to say, James Batchelor. Um, or do we stick with Jimmy Kynos, Carl? Yeah, I think uh, like I keep stressing, I think I think he'll reward players who have played reasonably well. I mean, I know Jimmy's only played one game and he started to flag a little bit in that second half, but I thought first half he was he was fairly solid, one he so I, I you know, I reckon Bachelor will go straight in and it'll be probably Kynos or toss up between him and Johnson. But uh, like I said, I think I think he will stick with Kynos because yeah, what you also found with some coaches as well. They seem to throw these care balls in against players against their old teams, don't they? Hoping that they'll get that extra 10% out of that player. And with uh, Kainos being extra, I know, you'd like to think if he does throw him in, he would give him that extra 10%. So I reckon that will be the two, the two back rowers. Yeah, and Steve, fundamentally, the Robins on Friday night, they've got to play the game that's in front of them. Forget about the run of form. Forget about what Leeds have done in the in the past five games, etc., etc. It's about the 80 minutes that's in front of them as soon as they step on to that turf. And, and you know what? I, I am optimistic, and, and I'm going to say this now, Steve. I'm optimistic for the rest of the season. I think we've got players who will be returning at key points. Yes, Sam Wood, Salso Sue and, and Jordan Abdul are pretty much done for the season. Um, but if we're able to to maintain um, and, and get the players back, sorry, who who were injured currently, and get them back into the side, and and hopefully 
big fingers crossed, touch wood, whatever, you know, I'm getting a rabbit's foot here. We get some good luck and, and we have a, a better injury run towards the end, uh, the back end of the season. I, I've, I'm, I'm optimistic of where we'll finish up. Yeah, I am. I am. Um, first game back after the the um, cup match is Castleford. They will be absolutely worried sick about their immediate futures because, um, <coughs> you know, with Wakefield doing what they've done. Um, and so if we can get two points here and two points against Cass, we're back in the mix. Um, you know, Salford, Salford, no, not had any injuries yet. They're getting them now. They're, they're going to struggle. So, you know, we, we can get ahead of Salford. Um, the team the team out there that's had no injuries are the team that are the form team of the competition, and that's Lee. Um, so it just shows what injuries do to teams, doesn't it? And looking back in the recent past, Huddersfield had a great season recently. They had no injuries. Castleford had a great season recently. They had no injuries. So if we could just get some players back um, from the original squad um, and and start gelling together, and you, you can turn it inside out. You know they're gonna want. They're not gonna want to go to training into matches on a downer. So there must be. If I was, you know. I, I, not even Willie Peters. If I was one of the players, I'd be saying, you know, maybe Kingy or somebody saying, "Come on, lads, what's going on?" You know, and I, and I think from the pictures I've seen, they look pretty, um, pretty relaxed in training. So, you know, let's let's shock Leeds, let's shock the league again, and let's go into a semi-final against the Wigan team that, um, you know, we can beat. We can yeah. be because we've beaten them this season. We've only lost on Golden Point and beaten them, you know. So let's let's go in positive man. The way to get positive for the semi final is to is to beat Leeds on Friday. One hundred percent. And Steve, very quickly before we finish, um, great to see uh, Gordon Smith, Gary Prom, uh, John Dorohey, uh bring the match ball out for the derby. I was fortunate enough to to meet them all on uh, Monday night at the uh, the Heritage Trust Heritage. event, where the supporters got to answer, uh, ask them questions. Three um, really humble guys, uh, Mike Smith as well. He was there. It was great to hear from from him and in his stories of, of yesteryear. And you must have fantastic memories of watching them play oh, and play on the red and white of Hull Kingston Rovers. Yeah. Um... There were three outstanding players. I always liked Gordon Smith, always. Um, and Mark Brodest was the fourth, sadly, Mark wasn't able to travel. Um, but I couldn't get there on Monday night, but I wish I could. And I'd love to have heard those stories. And they've got this uh, anniversary dinner coming up, haven't they, on Saturday, um, on the Queensland victory. And uh, that'll be some night. That'll be some night. I don't go because I end up getting in auctions and then <laughs> things like the shirt behind me. <laughs> well, I, I spoke to John Dora here last year, uh, Heritage Cast number 19. So if you want to hear his story uh, about when Hulkington Rovers famously beat Queensland, uh, you can find that on, on all the main podcast providers and it's on YouTube. So make sure you give that a good listen. Steve mentioned the uh, Queensland reunion on Saturday night. That's taking place at Craven Park. There's also uh, a big day of uh, disability rugby league taking place at Hull University with the Robins 
PDRL side, LDRL side and wheelchair team all in action on Saturday at the university. So if you're at a loose end, make sure you go catch that. And congratulations to the Rovers women's side who defeated uh, our rivals from across the river on Saturday. Um, if you stayed behind um, and, and watched the game, you know it was a, a fantastic um, fantastic game and, and well done, Hulkington Rovers ladies. So, wow, what a podcast. Plenty to get through once again. We've got the Leeds Rhinos on Friday night. If you are travelling to the game, Make sure you're loud and proud and you're cheering on the boys and hopefully it's enough to push us on to victory. Huge thank you to Carl and Steve for joining me on this week's Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre. But for now, please just live, love, laugh and be happy. (laughs) 